Hey friends, and welcome to episode 213 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode is all about burnout. Have you ever been burned out? Whether it lasted for a while, weeks maybe, or perhaps you've experienced just a temporary bout of burnout. Like maybe you just hit a point in your day where you were just done. I think we've all experienced burnout in some way, big or small. And if we haven't, then lucky you, but you probably know someone who has. I know all too well how it feels to be full on empty tank burned out, feeling hopeless and exhausted. And my experience with burnout was the catalyst for eventually becoming a time management coach and launching this very podcast. That's why when today's guest reached out about joining me for a conversation, it was an immediate yes. Her name, Emily Ballesteros, and she's the author of a brand new book called The Cure for Burnout. I mean, that sounds helpful, right? So let me tell you all about Emily. Emily Ballesteros holds a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology and worked in corporate training and development before launching her burnout management coaching business. In addition to being featured in media such as the Wall Street Journal and CNBC, she regularly provides burnout trainings for corporations like PepsiCo, Salesforce, and others. In today's conversation with Emily, we talk all about how to manage your time even when you're struggling with burnout. We dive into why boundaries are the key to conserving your energy and your time. Emily shares the five pillars of burnout management and how to use each one. And plus, you'll hear about how to channel an anti-burnout mindset starting today. As usual, you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 213, including a link to grab a copy of Emily's brand new book, The Cure for Burnout. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Emily, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you? Thank you. I'm so good. Very excited to be here. Love the show. So excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much. It's wild that you and I actually had a conversation via Instagram DMs all the way back in 2019. Mm -hmm. I mean, a whole lot has changed since then, (laughs) to say the least. And now here we are, like having a real conversation here for the podcast, all about something that we're going to talk about pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So Emily, tell us, how do you spend your time these days? (laughs) Wow. Like 2019, who could have guessed what was to come? So I, I'll take you backwards to take you forward. So um, in 2019, when I was experiencing the worst burnout of my life and I felt like getting the stomach flu was a nice break because I had so much going on and I was so incredibly burned out, I was getting my master's uh, in industrial organizational psychology full-time, so taking full-time night classes. I was working in corporate training um, and development, so working full-time, and then I was commuting two to three hours a day on Chicago Public Transit and standing on a frozen platform will just accelerate your burnout. And so I was doing that for two years and I got to this really dark, sad place where I was very open to getting in a minor accident, very open to getting sick, like anything to get a break. And I looked for burnout resources, couldn't find something that pertained to my circumstances. And this was pre-COVID, so things have changed even more since then. But I decided to just combine my personal and professional experience working in training and development. I knew how to put something together. I just needed to 
do a lot of research and start building it. And from there, developed a one-on-one coaching program uh, where I developed a methodology and then morphed into what I do today. So years of doing that um, and doing my own kind of version of corporate training later, I now do primarily train, I facilitate trainings and workshops for teams, groups, organizations, companies on burnout management and that same kind of methodology, but broken out in a way that works for companies. And then I have a book that is, I wrote this last year plus and is coming out in February 13th, 2024. And so that is something where like I just recorded the audiobook for it, doing various things in the book space. And then I do a lot of social media marketing. I have followers on various platforms where I provide just kind of burnout resources for people who are on social media anyways and want to have access to some of those resources. So a lot of different directions. And there are a lot of small things that I'm not naming, but those are the big pillars. Okay. So... You have your, do you still have your one-on-one practice? I do not. I, it very quickly turned into more than 40 hours a week. (laughs) Um, And part of why I wanted to create burnout resources when I finally supplemented my income and I transitioned fully to doing that work, I was, I also had to do a sincere evaluation of my values and ask if I'm going to create this business. I want to create it with lifestyle in mind. What kind of lifestyle do I want to live? Not just how successful do I want to be? How much money do I want to make? That's how you burn yourself out is you're asking those kinds of questions and forgetting about the lifestyle piece. And so I knew I wanted to be working around 40 hours, if not, if I could get away with it, less than 40 hours, or else what was the point of leaving corporate? I could have just gone and continued to work a corporate job, just enforce boundaries there. And and there are definitely weeks that are busier than that. But I got to that point. And so I stopped doing one-on-one coaching. I just didn't have the capacity for it. And kind of transitioned out of it and had a course for a while and things of that nature so I could do more group coaching. Got it. Okay. So you started in one-on-one, really developed your method there. Mm -hmm. Then you made the transition to having your course and serving more people Mm -hmm. in group settings. Okay. And so now you are doing more trainings and you said corporate development. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like. Are you doing a lot of travel? Are you doing a lot of virtual? What type of companies, what type of teams are you working with? What does that look like? Yeah, I do virtual or, and so for a lot of people have me just pop in for like lunch and learns. We'll have like employee development week and they bring in a bunch of speakers. And so I'll get to do things like that. Or people will have me fly out to whatever event they're having for their team or do like a team building activity. So I'll also do in person. And it's a lot of the same concepts that I'm sure we will talk about when we talk about the book and just what that methodology is. But it's both virtual and in person. Okay. So we've got a little bit of virtual. We've got a little bit of in person with some travel. So would you say that it's like 50-50 travel virtual? Are you away from your desk a good bit? Are you hanging out in airports a good bit? What does that look like? I like that you say hanging out in airports because that truly is what traveling for work honestly feels. The yes, actual speaking is. event is like one to four <laughs> hours, but the, right. the travel of it, I spent a lot of time at the airport. I um, know. It is not as glamorous as people seem no. to think it is. It's a lot of time in no. airports. <laughs> yes. And you go to a lot of places that are so obscure, there's not direct flights to these places, which is like those people, they're burned out too. Like they also need help. It's just like, man, this airport literally has 11 flights a day. That's crazy. Coming from Seattle, like where you can get anywhere, anytime. (laughs) It's just, it's different. And yeah, I could go on and on. But um, I do a lot. I previously did a lot more virtual. And then I also had seasons where I was just traveling once a week, maybe every Mm -hmm. other week. And I realized uh, that's not the lifestyle for me. Some people love it. They love it. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it to know how you feel about it. But I am a homebody. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm such a home. I love being home too. So I did it and it felt glamorous and it's still cool. I'll still take opportunities, but I do try to be a little bit more selective about what I travel for just because it, takes a lot more time that I could be using for other things. And mm-hmm. it's exhausting. It's it's a lot more tiring than I expected it to be. Yeah, it is. It can be a lot, but so worth it whenever you are selective and intentional about the events. Yeah. yeah. Then it's just exciting. You can only eat like when you travel too, everything is thrown off. Like you're yeah. usually waking up early, go staying up late, you're eating whatever food is around. So it throws off your system. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's different. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've got the travel for training. We've got virtual trainings that you're doing. I'm just really trying to paint a picture of what life looks like for you. So you mm-hmm. also mentioned that you're engaged on a number of different social media channels. So mm-hmm. it's the way that you describe that, it makes it sound like that's that seems to be a pretty big chunk of your time, of the pie of mm-hmm. your time spend your time budget. So tell me a little bit about what that looks like. Are you yeah. like, do you have like multiple phones set up in your office space where you've got TikTok going over here and Instagram going over here? What does that look like for you? I am so impressed <laughs> by people that do that. I, so I am very much a like do less better. Like I try to keep things simple because that's just personally how I want to live my life. And so I just have social media on my phone, but I have created like a content calendar for myself. So I know what I'm posting, where I have one day where I film all my content and batch it and just like pop it into those social medias because social media is a bottomless beast. Like you could feed it and feed it. And I feel like there's not always a lot of longevity in it. Like as soon as you create it and post it, it starts getting pushed down the feed and you have to continue to create, which is why I was so excited to write a book and have everything just in one place in an order that made sense online, it's kind of hard to do that. And I think that I've had, well, I've had years to be thoughtful about how I do social media in a way that gets me the results that I want, but also that doesn't drain me because there's also seasons where it's, wow, this is a lot of effort and I feel like I'm pedaling to nowhere Mm because I'm staying still. That is absolutely what Being a social media content creator, whether you are a business owner or you are purely just a content creator, Mm -hmm. it really can be this never-ending bottomless pit. You never get to the bottom. Do you remember back in the early days of Instagram where you could like get to the bottom of your feed? Yeah. Oh, what a time. (laughs) Maybe I'm just like fewer, follow fewer people or something to get that back, but I don't even think so. Then you just get pushed. You get sponsored things and reels and suggested. I've, oh, drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see this. If I wanted to see that, I would follow that. Thank you very much algorithm. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the social media content creator piece and how that can be a complete black hole. But another thing that can take up a huge amount of your time, and I know this from experience, having written a book myself, Time Management Essentials, what kind of time has writing your book taken? What does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. So for me, because It's not something that you can mail in. You genuinely have to use full brain energy when you're doing something like when you were writing or when you were editing. I knew I needed to block off a couple hours each morning. And for me, I needed to leave the house in order to fully force myself to focus. So for a couple hours each morning, if I wasn't traveling for work, I would take myself to a coffee shop and write for however many hours it took me to finish what I had my goal was to finish that day, depending on if I was writing or if I was editing. And that was just something I had to introduce to the the elements that were already on my plate. So maybe I had the virtual training later that day, or maybe it was like a filming day, but no matter what, I just had to create that time in the morning to do that. I'm useless afternoon. I will, I can't <laughs> write. It's whatever I write, it's not going to be as good as what I write in the morning. So um, yeah, took, took a lot of self-awareness there. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I actually remember writing my chapter on energy and it was, I remember writing it very late at night for whatever reason and really feeling the true difficulty in trying to write a chapter on energy while your energy is completely depleted and low. (laughs) I completely, completely understand. And I think that one thing that a lot of people tend to just not realize when it comes to writing a book is the editing process. So often mm-hmm. people think, oh, you wrote a book. So you write 50,000, however many words, and then you're done. I would. I no. <laughs> my first six, because my goal, you would get a goal for like when you initially of what, how long they anticipate the book being. And it was like 60,000. And at first I was like scraping my way to get to that point. And then by the time we were done, I was like, well past that. And it was probably 60,000 whole new words compared to the first version that I had given them. Like you think you're done and then you actually just like start. I I personally thought the editing, I think editing is harder than just doing the initial writing. Because when you're initially writing, you're just flowing. Editing, you're trying to make something 
work. If you've got like three lines and the second line needs to be changed, it's okay. I have a lot less flexibility here because I actually yeah. still need to connect the first to the third here. And I've gotten all this feedback about what to change. So how do I do this? So it takes, right. it's a different type of skill. It really is. It's a completely different type of mind bending thought work. So between, so over the last year or so, you have been in book writing mode, editing mode, you're in the home stretch. Your book is hitting shelves February 13th, which is so exciting, just in time for National Time Management Month in February. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, and you are still serving through your social media channels. And you are pouring into teams and individuals through the trainings that you're providing. How are you, how do you find your version of balance with so many different things that are on your plate and uh, fighting for your time? Yeah. I like simplicity is such a value for me and like having just kind of peace. And I, I, that reason that's so important to me now is because in the beginning, at the beginning of business, it's like shiny ball syndrome where it's like, I need to start a YouTube channel. I need to be on Snapchat because somehow all these Gen Z people are monetizing Snapchat. And that's like a big source of revenue for them. I need to have a newsletter. I need to like, uh, you know, I'm already on Instagram and TikTok. Like I need to be on LinkedIn. It's like, there are so many things you could be doing and I try to do so many and that doesn't even touch on the topic of like products, but I, I tried to do so many of them, realized where my capacity was and just had to recognize what was making the biggest impact, moving the needle the most and then focus on those. And so I am type A and very structured and luckily. And so uh, it will so in some ways unluckily for sure, but for the most part, that just serves me. And so I'm just very organized about in social media. I know I can get the results I need to if I follow this content calendar. With writing, I knew I could get the results I need to write as many words as I needed to if I stuck to that morning schedule. I knew no for training, like. I have everything in order. So it's just the reserved time. Like I show up for that reserved time, whether it's virtual or it's in person. And it doesn't, uh, for me, that's how I just keep it in order. And mm -hmm. it serves me to say no to things that fall outside of the order that I already have. Okay. So it's knowing what works for you, yeah. knowing what you enjoy, knowing what gets you results. Mm -hmm. And then understanding that anything outside of that is not going to be on the agenda for the day. Yeah. It's probably a distraction. Yeah. When it comes to keeping track of everything that you have going on, managing your upcoming travel, making sure that you have everything prepared for an upcoming training, how are you keeping all of the details organized? I actually, when I started working with my I, I now work with the Penguin Random House Speakers Bureau, but before I worked with them, I coordinated all my own travel and they were like, how did you do this before? And I was like, oh, I just did it myself. And they're like, you did like this, like with all of your other stuff. And so I didn't realize that that was something that most people outsource and like a sucker, I was doing it myself. But um, it's, I, I think that continuing to do less and limit access to myself is what allows me to be as structured as I am and organized as I am. It, it was the constant when I was like, if a DM comes in, I have to answer it immediately. When an email comes in, I have to answer it immediately. When a text comes in, when a call comes in, when a FaceTime comes in, like all of those things were prioritized in the moment. And then it derailed me from whatever I needed to be focused on. If I was in a writing block, I don't need to answer a FaceTime from my sister. Like, sorry, I love you. But like, the, this is a time I need to finish this. And a lot of boundaries in order to keep things where they are. And then even though it's hard sometimes, my reward for it is I finish the work that I want to do in a timely manner. And then I have so much time back for myself to include the things that just reinforce that quality of life. I use Trello like that on a super time management response. I organize all of my projects in Trello and I have a must do list, which are like things I sincerely must do that day. And a lot of items are recreated recurring. So when it was like writing season, it was like, write every morning, post this on this, post this on this, get back to these emails that came in, like whatever. And then I have a list. And these are like lists that I list in my book because they're just unorthodox, but must do list, 
list, which is everything else, things that still need to get done, but that are mostly distractions and <laughs> they are secondary to the must do today things. And then I have, so I have some other lists, like an eventually list, like ideas that I have, but that aren't a must do, aren't even on the list really. They're just like, eventually I need to clean up my drives or something like that. <laughs> so those are the lists that I keep. Yes, I love that. The fact that you have all of the different lists, it sounds like there's a place for everything. So you're mm -hmm. not having to deal with the overwhelm of keeping it all in your head. So oh, heck no. Yeah, I'm a list girly through and through. If it's not on my list, it doesn't exist is the mm -hmm. motto in my household. Yes, same. If it's not on the list, it doesn't exist. I feel that way about things on my calendar. If it's not on my yeah. calendar, it's not happening. It's not mm -hmm. real. And speaking of calendar, what is your, what's your go-to there? I love asking the nitty gritty questions just to see what people use. Yeah. I honestly use my Google calendar just because then if I'm making appointments or anything like that, it's just all in the same place. And I, I use also, I don't know if you've heard of Grace Beverly, but she has a productivity planner and it's a more aesthetic version, a typical calendar, but she has this big organizer. And so sometimes if I'm feeling fancy or it's a particularly busy week, I'll use hers. Got it. I'm going to have to check this out. The Productivity Method by Grace yes. Beverly. Very yes. cool. And these are pretty planners. Yeah. They're physical. Okay. And then she also has a digital version. And I usually use the digital version. It's through Notion, I believe. Look at that. Look at that digital planner. Okay. Yeah. I'll be sure to link that to that in the show notes in case you're curious and you want yeah. to check out Grace Beverly's Productivity Method. I always love hearing about new products, new methods, new yeah. ways of going about this because yeah. we're all so unique. Mm -hmm. And some people love that just having it all digitally, but then mm -hmm. some people love still maintaining a bit of the pen to paper experience. Yeah. I was actually chatting with someone this morning who said that I'm so tired of buying planners that I use for 10 weeks out of a 52 week year because something about them just doesn't work for me. And so it's always yeah. fun to find new options to share with people. Yes. And there is that one website where you can design your own planner and include mm -hmm. what you want to include or get rid of the Three things I'm grateful for if that is not your vibe. Right. <laughs> and so I think that is great because same thing with for every planner, there's a learning curve. And I always end up going back to my roots of just my to-do list, which are like the must-do things, shit list, distractions that still need to get done eventually. And then the eventually <laughs> list, like those are the OG for me. That's fine. So you said that you talk more about the lists in your book. Mm-hmm. The name of your book is The Cure for Burnout, How to Build Better Habits, Find Balance, and Reclaim Your Life. Sign me up. Sign us all up. I think we all are looking for all of those things, better habits, our version of balance, and reclaiming our life. First and foremost, I would love to know, what is the cure for burnout, Emily? Tell us. Yes, yes. Well, first of all, they pitched this name to me. So when they told us me, I was like, well, that's a really big promise. Okay, I guess I'll do it. And so, um, so the cure for burnout. So because I started out in one-on-one -on -one coaching and I still do corporate trainings and facilitate trainings with groups, I get, it's a very feedback driven. Like when you initially start doing those things, and testing your methodology and making sure that people are getting results. It's here is a tool, see if this works, let's workshop it and make it work for you. And so a lot of the books that I had read were a lot of information, but not necessarily the type, the tools that you would receive in coaching itself or in training itself. And so you can really, I like to think, tell that here's a, a tool, try it, for a week, if you hate it, you don't have to do it again. But like here, just try, actually try this. And so the methodology that was developed from the beginning and has just been like honed throughout the years is the five pillars of burnout management, which are mindset, time management, stress management, boundaries, and personal care. And you go over each of those areas and just figure out how you already interact with the topic and then how you can improve within that area in order to prevent burnout and enforce a uh, quality of life. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. 
But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, in all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Wow. Okay. Tell me those five pillars one more time. Yeah. So it's mindset, time management, stress management, boundaries, and personal care. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So let's start from the top. The very first mindset, I so often I find as a time management coach that whenever someone is struggling with burnout or overwhelm or feeling scatterbrained, whatever it is, they want to go straight to their calendar. They want Mm -hmm. to go straight to their planner. But mindset is so important to take into account before we begin making those changes. So tell me a little bit about how mindset factors into curing our burnout. So mindset, I completely understand why people who are experiencing burnout, they think I want tangible solutions right away. I'm going to go to something like time management where it is more tangible than mindset. Mindset is how you manage yourself. So it's that kind of internal management when you go through a situation because a lot of high achievers and people pleasers end up experiencing burnout because they manage themselves in a way that can exhaust them. And so people pleasers usually over give their social resources and then they're always depleted. Don't They can't justify saying no to people. They have a really hard time creating pockets of rest for themselves. They would rather be uncomfortable than make somebody else uncomfortable. And, and then high achievers, they nothing is ever enough. They can always be doing more. They feel like they're in debt to their potential. And as a result, when they say no to something or when they don't do something to the degree they believe that they should, they are really hard on themselves. And by managing yourself in this way and having these mindsets, you can get to the end of the day having done by normal people's standards a great job and you did everything you needed to, but those people might still be berating themselves for things they didn't get to and comparing themselves to other people. And as a result, it's not actually their day-to-day it's that's burning them out. It's how they're managing themselves. It's that mindset piece. Wow. It's not how they are managing their day-to-day, so it's not even the time management piece yet or how much they're getting done or not getting done. It's their perception. Yeah. Makes a big difference. It reminds me of the clients, the friends, me, myself at times, who have experienced frustration after creating a 37-point to-do list for the day but only accomplishing seven things, even though in reality, only seven things were possible. But it's all about the mindset. Okay, so what's one small thing that we can do to begin shifting that mindset? Something you could do, and it depends truly on how honest you want 
to be with yourself. But you can, if you want to do this without getting feedback from others, you can just kind of sit with yourself and listen to your thoughts, especially after a hard day. Like if you had a transcript of your thoughts, you it would be very transparent how you are coaching yourself, basically, like how you speak yeah. to yourself. And if it were another person saying these things to you, somebody else could look at that and be like, wow, that person's super rude to you. That person discourages you. They make you feel really small. They are embarrassed by you. That's not really suiting you. So if you can do that with yourself, that is one way to do it. Alternatively, if you have somebody that you trust and has your best interest in mind, but that spends a lot of time around you and can hear how you talk to yourself and see how you manage yourself. Let them know I'm trying to work on my burnout and something that I'm working on is mindset. And there are some ways that I know I am sabotaging myself. Do you see any patterns in me and how I manage my mindset that you think could be leading to some of this burnout? And then be really receptive to somebody saying, you know, you get home from a long day and you immediately complain about all of these things that went wrong or like yeah. it might feel like you're always a victim to these coworkers or to this situation and then you just go back to work and you solve it the next day and it's fine and it wasn't actually as bad as it might have seemed but that could be leading to some of the burnout so you have to be really open to it and be able to like drop the conversation after you have it and then apply what you need to it's, it can be hard for people especially if you like are burned out and don't want that feedback but it is helpful yeah. That sounds like a really good conversation to have with a coach. Yeah. Someone who's able to really ask those powerful questions to extract what's happening, mm -hmm. even if they're not right there watching, witnessing the day-to-day, -day, because having that safe space with a coach is huge. And sometimes it can be really hard to ask people that we love and care about questions like that, especially when it's so new to us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit about how time management fits into the burnout puzzle. I, I can't wait to hear about this one. Yeah. Time management, like I break it out into its prioritization. It's knowing like what conditions you need in order to do your best work and its execution because knowing your priorities and being in your ideal conditions mean nothing if you can't get yourself to do the things you need to do. I feel like there's two camps here, especially in burnout. There's people who are hyper, per like they're just always performing on overdrive. And there's people who are so burned out, they can barely get themselves to start because they're just depleted. And going through and especially, and this is all from, there's so much to be said about time management, but from a burnout perspective, being really clear on what your priorities are, not for your life, but for this season of life. Like, what do you need to prioritize truly for the next three months? And then what do you need to deprioritize in order to prioritize those? Um, like, there are opportunities I could take, but only if I deprioritize something else and being honest with yourself about that. And then conditions, uh, like I was saying, when I write, I need to take myself to a coffee shop and do that because that is the way that I will perform most consistently. And most people know what they need in order to perform, especially when they're burned out and they're working from home and they're trying to focus when they're distracted because a kid needs something when like in the middle of working and then you're switching tracks mentally from professional work to caretaker mode. And then maybe like you get something on your phone that pops up and then you're switching into social media manager mode and it's too much. And so like creating the conditions you need to do that work well, so you don't feel like I am doing a thousand things at once, like trying to create the space where you can just do the one thing at a time. It just feels a lot better. Even if you get about the same results, by the end of it, you feel a lot calmer. And then execution is, I talk about a variety of ways you can do this with like gamification and romanticization and like working in sprints and things like that. But it's, again, a lot of self-awareness and knowing mm -hmm. what you need in order to perform and then being able to manufacture that for yourself. And then that gets easier when you are not burned out and you're not mm -hmm. kind of trying to just push through and you can be more thoughtful about it. But when you're really burned out, those are the big pieces to try to rein it in and just get done what you need to get done so that you don't feel like I'm so burned out and tired and everything is out of my control. It's just like yeah. establishing some control. You know, I think this is a really important distinction to make is that there is time management when you are burned out mm -hmm. and there is time management when you are not burned out. Yeah. Time management when you are burned out is about allocating your time so that you escape the burnout, so mm -hmm. that you work your way out of the burnout. And that yeah. looks different than time management in normal times, in yes. regular times. One of the first things that 
I do with my clients is we do a full assessment of, okay, what are all of your currently moving projects? Which ones can be put on pause? Mm-hmm. which ones can be deprioritized in this season yeah. so that you can focus as much energy and effort as possible into getting some things off your plate, into mm-hmm. completing some things. And yeah. it doesn't mean that we're putting those projects on the back burner forever, yeah. but it means that we're going to, to get you to a place of stability so that you can then put in some maintenance mm-hmm. strategies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is so different when like if there's the scale if you're at a a one you are like in hell burnout like it is so bad you are barely enduring day to day and then there's level 10 which is you're okay you are right. uh, living a healthy life and a lot of people give suggestions to do things or include things assuming that people are at like a five or a six like mm-hmm. when somebody's really burned out and i have talked to so many people burned out people about this and then somebody's like you should try meditating like you should try going to a yoga class they're like it just like it almost makes you angry because it's no you you think i'm at a six i'm at a two right. i yeah. have literally 15 minutes to myself at the end of the day and that is it. I and that wake 15 up. minutes is like in the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. And it's when you're like sitting down in the shower, just like right. I, I actually like where you're like, okay, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Yeah. I can do this for another three weeks or however long that project is. Like get through it, get through it. Yeah. Assuming it has an end date for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it doesn't have an end date, but it's just like, you can't like just it's those suggestions aren't bad suggestions, but they're five or six or seven suggestions. They are not zero, one, two, three suggestions. So like same thing for the time management arena. You have to know who you're talking to when you're giving the feedback. Yeah. When you're giving the feedback and having that awareness about yourself, like actually being present for a second and asking yourself, okay, where am I? Yeah. Okay. So we've got boundaries, stress management, and personal care. Mm Mm-hmm. I would, I feel like we could dedicate unique episodes to each of those three topics. Oh gosh, I would love to do that. Yeah. But can you give me one tip or one explanation for Mm -hmm. each of those three pillars of burnout? Boundaries, stress management, and personal care, which is really interesting. I'm really looking forward to hearing about that one. Yeah. For boundaries, I would say that the more you believe that a boundary is just a limit and that's you have a limit because you just have limited resources, then the less personal it feels and the easier it is to set them. Like nothing is unlimited. Your time, your energy, your money, your attention, your patience, all of that has a limit and you have to know where it is and then have, honestly, phrases ready to let people know when you've hit that limit. And it's not personal. It's just a matter of resources. So if somebody asks if you can do a project, what they're really asking, especially when we use vague terms like, do you have the bandwidth or the capacity? The real question is, do you have five hours to dedicate to this project a week? And then you go back, you look at your schedule and you see, I actually only have two hours to spare this week. And you just go back to them and let them know, I have two hours to dedicate to that. And as soon as I could finish the remainder is on Monday. Does that still work for you? You could be cut and dry with these resources. And I know that that for professional management, you can do that. For personal management, it can feel different because maybe you need to set a boundary with a family member or something, and it's a little bit harder, but it's still possible and it can still be made a matter of resources. And it's not your job to emotionally coach people through your boundaries, but that's the second part of that conversation. That could be a whole other thing. Then for stress management, I would say in regard to burnout management, the first step is like get back to the basics. There are some people who are like, I want to do stress management. I want to start like training for a marathon and they've like never run before. And, but it's like, you're not sleeping eight hours a night. You are not eating three square meals. You are not like your stress levels are through the roof. I don't know that that is like the most helpful starting point. So really check in with the basics. Like our basic human needs are like, are you drinking enough water? Are you eating enough food? Are you getting like functional movement in just to like flush out that crusty blood. It doesn't have to be like this strenuous exercise, but also they say that sitting is the new smoking. Like most people wake up, sit all day and then switch to sitting on the couch and then switch to laying in bed. And that's just not how we thrive. And then do you have social support? We're a social creature. And for a lot of people, especially when they're experiencing burnout, they self-isolate. And Mm -hmm. that's when you need other people's 
to influence you the most because there's in-person influencers. We use influence as like this online thing. But also you like sometimes if you are just in the gutters of your thoughts, having other people around you who can like almost pull you along with them if they're higher energy or they're like they're not necessarily in the pits of stress that can help influence you and make you realize you know what things are actually okay I was in the bad place and this helped remind me like there is other there's more life out there there's other people out there they're doing okay because they're doing okay I can relax and like your nervous system relaxes being around other Mm -hmm. calm people like I'm gonna be okay and so check on the basics first I would Mm -hmm. say and then from there it's helpful to have other stress management tools. There are a variety of them, but I would say start there. Check on your basics. Okay, so check on the basics, and there are a variety of other stress management tools. Tell me three really quickly. Okay, the first is I would say you need like an in-the-moment stress management. So somebody says something to you that you disagree with or that's upsetting to you or like you get an email for like a huge a huge deadline coming in or like something went wrong and mm-hmm. – you need to be able to manage yourself in that moment instead of just spiral, which totally get it. I've spiraled myself many times in the day, but that just didn't solve the problem faster. So instead, have just you create it for yourself. But what I do is I'm like, okay, like three deep breaths because our breathing is one of the first things to go when we experience stress. So take those three deep breaths and then because I'm a list person, I'll just write down exactly what it is I need to do so that I don't feel, oh my gosh, there's five things to do. I'm holding them in my short-term memory and I'm trying to execute on this first one. Um, So for me personally, stress arises. I take a couple deep breaths, write down what I'm going to do. And then I remind myself, this is not the first time this has happened. And every time stress has popped up like this before, I've done this exact thing, just like breathed for a second, wrote down what to do, and then I've just done it. And then the world didn't stop spinning. This is all I can do in response to this. And so if you're in a conversation, you can't necessarily write anything down. That's still just like that. (laughs) It's like, hold on just one second. Excuse me. You just said something. I need to. (laughs) Yeah. So in the moment, you can just like take a breath and then still have that reminder piece of it where it's like, you know, I've gotten through every hard, crazy conversation before. I can just like smile through this and then go somewhere else after this and leave the scene of the crime. So it's knowing how you handle major stressors when they occur. You know what major stressors you encounter most often. And then I would recommend for managing short-term stress, like say uh, you're on a prod, like you're in a busy season and it feels like it takes up all day for you. Like it's just your entire life at that point in time. Having like a not closing ceremony, but like you get to the end of your day and you write down, I have, I separate it into a tangible list and an intangible list. And this is just like a big brain dump for after work. And so the tangible list are things that are actionable that you need to do eventually, probably the next day. And then the intangible list are any interpersonal stressors, any feelings that you have, any stories that you're telling about what's going on. So that's like, Steve was really passive aggressive about this today. I have my performance from you coming up next week. Um, The house is a mess. And those are things that will cause you stress, but that aren't actionable. There's nothing to be done there. It just is a stressor. So it's almost like there's, it's like half to-do list, half brain dump journal format, but it lets you put everything down and be honest about what is like truly actionable. And if those stressors aren't actionable, like they're, that's fine. Just acknowledge them and then like go enjoy the rest of your night. Don't just like sit in this, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. Mm-hmm. Mistaking stressors for to-do items, they're not. It's just there are things to do and then there's things that are causing stress but that there's nothing to be done about so you can give yourself permission to let them go. I love separating the true to-dos from the things that we tend to wallow in. Yeah. And without having an end-of-day shutdown routine, we just let all of this stuff kind of spiral and cycle through our minds, which then causes us to be less present because we're thinking about all of this stuff. So I love that you're reiterating the importance of having this as a part of our shutdown routine because Mm -hmm. it helps us truly manage our stress. Okay. Yeah. Let's skip to personal care. Perfect. How does personal care fit into burnout? Does this, is this my like permission to go get like a manicure or like what's happening here? Tell me more. Yeah. So personal care is like my rebranding of self-care just because I feel like self-care was, I feel it's still so popular and like, you know, it, 
it itself works for some, but I felt like it was damage control in a lot of times when it was referenced. And it's just like, when you're in the bad place, take a bubble bath and drink your wine. And like, that still is a form of personal care, but it is not necessarily dimensional, as dimensional as it could be. So when I talk about personal care, I created this personal care pyramid where at the bottom of that pyramid are non-essentials, non-negotiables, non-essentials. They, they are very essential. Um, non-negotiables. And these are things that just keep you functional. So like if you're a coffee person, it's making sure you have your coffee. If you are somebody who needs eight hours of sleep or like you are no longer yourself, it's making sure you get those eight hours of sleep. This isn't aspirational. So same thing. If you've never run before saying, oh, running is now going to be a non-negotiable for me. It's probably not. It's probably belongs somewhere else in the pyramid, but it's not necessarily one of the non-negotiables. This should only be three to five things or else it starts to get a little high maintenance. But those are the things you do to just baseline take care of yourself. So even if you're in a really busy, crazy season, it's okay. But I have my coffee in the morning. I have my spin class in the afternoon. And before bed, I know I'm going to get 30 minutes to myself or like an hour to myself to read. And so I'm fine because I have my non-negotiables met. I still like have control over my own life, which a lot of people do not. They're like, I can't spare... 15 minutes for something. And I tell myself, like, if I don't have 15 minutes in my own day, I have lost the plot. Like, I've truly yes. lost control of my life in an indignant yeah. kind of angry way. And it makes me get control back in my life. And then the next tier up after non-negotiables is, well, I call it the Bounce Weekend Blueprint because I used to post it on my story every weekend. But it's three-dimensional personal care. And it's the three dimensions of this tier of personal care are maintenance, rest, and refill. And maintenance is like being a good parent to yourself. That's like just maintenance task. That's making sure you're paying your bills, you have groceries, you have laundry, you are going to your dentist appointments. It's just taking being a good parent to yourself. Rests are genuinely restful items because the only time you rest cannot be when you're dead asleep. That's ridiculous. You need low energy demand items for a very busy society. We rest less than we have historically. And so we need to do that. And then refill is just items that refill your cup. It's things that this is the category that typically when people look back on their life, they think these are the things I did that made life worth living. It's like going to having experiences with your friends or your family, spending quality time with people, um, doing new things, new exciting things. And so on weekends, like for maintenance, rest, refill, the reason that I would post it then is because a lot of people will do maintenance all weekend. Got a super clean house, all the meals prepped. Mm -hmm. That's all I do. No rest, no fun. And then the week starts and it doesn't feel quite right. And then, and weekends just aren't long enough, but that's a whole other thing. And, and sometimes people do all rest or all refill. So they go on a girl's trip, they, you know, binge Netflix all weekend. And so then they don't do any maintenance and then they go into the week with no laundry or no groceries. And so it's a balance of these three things when you're mm -hmm. introducing them. And so those are like, that's some of the personal care pyramid. So it's broken down in a way that makes personal care more doable, sustainable, long-term. I love that. It's like a, a stool with three legs. And if you don't have all three, then you're just going to fall over. Yeah. Emily, if someone is listening and they are nodding their head, like, yes, mm -hmm. I am in a place of burnout, whether they're at level one burnout, where it is extreme level five burnout, where it's like, okay, we really have to do something about this before it gets worse, or they're maybe closer to nine ten, where they know that, okay, we're venturing into to territory that we need to do something about this. So if someone's listening and they feel like they are experiencing burnout in some level right now, what is one small step that they can take to begin working their way out and working their way back to normal? Well, first of all, I'll say I'm sorry if you're burned out because it sucks and you don't realize how bad it sucks until you're in it. So I'm not going to gaslight you and tell you like, just be grateful. There's so much to be grateful for. Like, I'm sorry. It probably is like genuinely hard that anybody who's in your position would feel, wow, this really is hard and there's not enough time for all this. So you're justified in feeling the way you are. I'm so sorry you're going through it. And this is the one thing that I usually tell people to start with. So if you can look at your calendar or document how you spend the hours of your day for one, maybe two days, and just have that really objective data on how you're spending your time during the day. And then kind of like we talked about earlier, be just brutal about what needs to stay, like what do, what can't I get out of, and what might I be able to offload at this time or ask for help for or discontinue? Where can you create a little bit of wiggle room for yourself? And 
if it sincerely feels like every single minute of the day is full and I do not have enough time for myself, it's usually just a sign that we are trying to fit too many things into the day. And so it's a matter of surviving what you need to wrap up because most things come in cycles. So like waiting until something reaches the end of its cycle and then trying not to pick it back up and to let yourself have a little bit more space back. So it's taking care of yourself, do the non-negotiables, all of that, um, incorporate those at least so that you can survive the rest of this cycle. And then when that cycle ends, leave yourself some space. Yeah. Awesome. That is so, so helpful. Emily, thank you so much. If we want to continue learning from you to either cure our burnout or prevent it altogether, how can we stay in touch with you? I am on Instagram and TikTok and my handle is Emily B. Ruth, or I have a website and it's www.emilyballesteros.com. And I think my last name is spelled somewhere on here. So I didn't know that's hard to spell. <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes. So don't yes. even worry about it. Just head straight to the show notes for this episode so you can find yeah. Emily. Perfect. And then I'm just always on there talking about burnout. I love it. So tell us the name of your book one more time and let us know where we can get a copy. Yes. So The Cure for Burnout will be available on February 13th. And it's linked in all of my social media as well as on my website. And you can get it at most major retailers. So you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Most of those retailers will have it available. So yay. If you copy of it somewhere, send me a picture (laughs) of you. You don't even have to post it, but just like send it to me. I'll freak out with you because that's great. I love (laughs) it. I love it. I'll be sure to link to Emily's website as well as share where you can find her book over in the show notes. Emily, thank you again so much for giving your time today to this conversation to share these amazing tips and recommendations and your expertise with our It's About Time listeners. This has truly been time well spent and I really look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to speak with you all. Kisses and hugs. I'm sending you guys those things. Love it. All right. Talk to you soon, Emily. And there you have it. Mindset, time management, stress management, boundaries, and personal care. Which of those five pillars of burnout management that Emily shared deserve a closer look for you in your life? What's one simple, small action that you can take in the next 24 hours that will get you closer to your own cure for burnout? Or if you're not feeling burned out at the moment, I encourage you to share this episode with someone who is struggling with burnout and could use a boost. You never know how helpful it could be for someone. You can find links to Emily's book, The Cure for Burnout, by visiting the show notes for this episode at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 213. All right. Thanks again for listening, my friend. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.